Harden shoots, fires, shot won't go, chuck of the rebound, and that'll do it. It's over. The Bucks have done it. The long wait has ended after a half century. The Milwaukee Bucks are NBA champions once again. What's up, NBA fans? It's official. This is the last podcast for the 2020-2021 NBA season. And yesterday, an incredible game six, Bucks versus Suns. Really, the I feel like you can call him an underdog. Maybe, possibly. It really felt like the Bucks. This was their. They were done. They were done after going to losing those two games in Phoenix, but. They found another gear and they come back on and they come on top winning the NBA title. They are the NBA champs, a very grueling run to this point. And it's been brought up over and over again, but they were literally one shoe size away from being eliminated from the entire series from the entire playoffs. That is, and they end up going into overtime against those that Nets team and prevailing. Uh, and then swinging with that momentum all the way to the NBA Finals, losing two games in Phoenix, and then riding on the back of Giannis and Chris Middleton clutching this in the fourth quarter from mid-range. Uh, Mike Mike riding his riding his best guys, riding on the Bucks defense that has been so consistent and been their biggest foundation and best point uh, throughout the regular season. And throughout the playoffs, a uh, crazy stack here. The Bucks shot 32% from three in the playoffs. They're the worst three-point shooting champion since 2010. When the Lakers shot 33%. Other stats said the best defensive team in the playoffs in terms of defensive rating. They were up there as well throughout the regular season. Number one team shooting in the restricted area. The Suns were number two in the mid-range area. The third worst three-point shooting team in these playoffs. The Bucks winning in a way that we haven't seen a team win, I think in quite some years, probably since pre golden state warriors, a team that's really go went big and relied on a physical dominant force like Giannis. Sean, well, what, what's your reaction here to the bucks winning the NBA championship? We were both wrong. We both chose the Phoenix suns at some point to win this. <laughs> oh, I know we were, we were both wrong. I said Suns in seven. You said Suns in six. And it turns out mm-hmm. Bucks and Six, Brandon Jennings was right all along. And and that will now live forever in infamy as, as a defining moment for this Milwaukee Bucks organization. But I gotta say, just watching how hard Giannis played in game six, watching this team fight every single game, seeing what's <laughs> happened post-game with all of Giannis's antics after from winning the championship, I'm really happy for him. I'm really happy for this organization, really happy for him personally. I mean, you can tell how much this meant to him and how hard he worked, how hard he fought, and just it all culminated into, into and the bas- basketball's greatest prize. And I mean, I, I do feel for Chris Paul. I do feel for Monty Williams. It's a very young team, though, and I think they'll, they'll definitely be back again. And, and for Giannis, I think this was just a huge affirmation for him to... to Go back to Milwaukee after so much speculation by the media. How much of it was fabricated, we'll never know for sure. But I mean, there's definitely a lot of rumbles mm-hmm. of like Giannis can't win in Milwaukee. Giannis should be traded to a super team so he can actually win a championship. And he did it the hard way. He did it in the most respectable, 
most in inter, in most integrity type of way that you can do it is just going through the gauntlet fighting off any team that stood in his path getting through injuries yeah getting some luck on the injury end as well um with him not getting injured for all for just a few games and then obviously with the Kyrie Irving and James Harden in in the Brooklyn series uh yeah i mean it doesn't matter i like i've said this before on on podcasts there's no asterisks when it comes to an nba championship everyone has to fight the same fight and the bucks are the team standing at the end of the day and man th- this is this is Giannis mvp right here finals mvp sure nba champion sure but man he played like the two-time mvp that he was voted to and yeah, it was it's, just it's an interesting beauty. series to to look back through the first games uh, the first, the first game in particular, where again, I think we talked about it last podcast, but the Bucks looked like they were simply just happy to be there. But when you really broke it down, this is a team that had no reason to just be happy to be. There. They needed the urgency to win, and ultimately, I think that's what we saw in Game Four, Five, and this game as well, where they were resilient and they were hanging on and they stuck with their plan. Mike really went with his guys, and at some point you know, making questionable moves that I thought were going to come back and buy him when I was watching this game considerably also Bobby seeing Bobby Portis play as many minutes as he did down the stretch there. I thought that was a mistake, but mm. you know, Mike put it, put his faith in those guys that he's been going <laughs> with and, and they pulled through Bobby definitely had some big stops, made some big shots. Giannis also go into what is really his bread and butter is shooting inside. And Ultimately, I think one of the big storylines in this game six is the miraculous free throw shooting from Giannis. And, and it's not just hyperbole because you have to call it that way <laughs> yes. because 59% free throw shooter in the playoffs, 69% mm-hmm. in the regular season, 65% in the series, and then somehow pulls it out of his butt in game six, 90%. 17 for 19, Man. but this could easily have been 17 for 18 you know, because that last free throw, he knew the championship was won. I don't think he really cared too much about making that one. Right. He didn't care. He he made one. He made it a three possession yeah, game. The, the last free throw was, was like, wow, you know, one of those moments where it's where concentration just is lost because <laughs> he wants to start, you know, taking in the moment of being an NBA champion. Right. And, and yeah, that, it's time to celebrate. Made, I mean, there's so many things you can pick at, but to go 17 for 19 was huge in a game where, where it really did come down to two possessions and the Suns at one point had the lead in the fourth quarter, but the Bucks sort of came back um, and uh, knocking down those free throws were huge. Middleton was huge. He made a ridiculous leaner fade away from the mid range when it looked like no team was able to buy a bucket mm-hmm. and it looked like the Bucks were we might have might give the the Suns a, an opening to come back with a couple of turnovers, but Middleton just knocks down that leaning fadeaway shot to to get them back up by six, and it was huge all around. Drew Holiday again, maybe not had the best offensive game yet again, but still on the defensive end, whoever you put them on just had a just had a struggle fest to score the ball. Booker here, eight for twenty two, mm-hmm. six turnovers. Um, in this in this game six just not really able to buy a bucket and chris paul had himself a a solid game but i think a lot of credit is drew holiday here mike putting drew holiday on devin booker most of the time as opposed to to chris paul but 
overall Mike Budenhauser, every single game was fighting for his to maintain his <laughs> job. And he needed the biggest prize <laughs> yeah. to keep his uh-huh. job. And he got it an NBA champion, <laughs> NBA championship for his team and Giannis, the finals MVP. So well-deserved and a legendary performance, 50 points. Like, wow. We, we got it all here. Yeah, the this yeah, I mean yeah, that is a great point on Boonholzer. Like in the net series, people were calling for this guy's head mm-hmm. before the series was even over. People were like, "Oh, like they just need to get get lose this series so they can get a new head coach." And yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere for for a good long while at least, and and well deserved. He made some very good adjustments in this series, and man, Giannis, dude, he finally just played to his strengths didn't worry about three-point shots didn't worry about mid-range he went at deandre ayton mm-hmm. every single possession he had his way with him it it was am- like he had some crazy fadeaway jumpers sure but a lot of it was just spin moves just muscling him away in the post just getting it rebounds and just dominating down low it, yeah. it was very shaquille o'neal-esque this game was but in a more athletic way because he was just dribble driving from half court or the three-point line just straight on Aiden because he was giving him so much space because he's like oh he's not a three-point shooter and it didn't matter because he just couldn't keep up laterally with Giannis's moves he's just too big quick and he has so much body control and lateral ability to just contort his way to the basket and those those arms are so long it was just unreal. And he had some some crazy blocks in this game, which, I mean, obviously none of them were like the game four block he had on DeAndre Ayton's alley-oop attempt, but they were all still just huge plays. It, you could just tell. Like, he was not going to leave this anything on the floor for this game. He left it all out there. He, you could tell he was gassed with, like, three minutes to go on, on one play where I think Ayton got uh, a pass from Paul and he got a layup to the basket to cut it to six. And Giannis like couldn't even go up the floor at that point yes. to play offense, so they had to call timeout. Um, and he's, he's just able to get just enough out yeah, there. Yeah, forty-two minutes to for Giannis tonight. <laughs> Forty-six minutes from Drew Holiday. Forty minutes from Middleton uh, on the Phoenix side. Also, you know, Devin Booker, forty-six minutes out there. Chris Paul, really close to forty minutes. Like this is what it is in a game six elimination mm-hmm. game. Is you you go with your best players and you really ask them to do the most, especially. Giannis, I mean, at the start of the series, when you were looking at where the advantages were for each team, Phoenix played to their advantage in the first two games, rolling with all their their perimeter, nice perimeter players that they have off the bench. And really, you know, my, uh, Monty Williams doing a great job putting his chess pieces in positions to win and uh, and really just score on this Milwaukee Bucks team that and the Milwaukee Bucks struggle offensively and they couldn't really answer back. So their best shot, I think wasn't really to try to defend all these perimeter chess pieces as best they could, but really punish the Suns for going small and punish them for being the small team that they are. And the only guy that should be able to do this and can do Mm -hmm. this and should be able to do it at the very best level is Giannis. And ultimately once super Giannis was unlocked, that's what it was. Monty Williams, all the small lineups (laughs) were getting punished. Throwing Frank Kaminsky out there was a no go, but with Deandre ate it. Yeah, but with DeAndre Aiden in foul trouble, that was it. That was the the desperate move. And 
And yeah. again, Mike and <laughs> the Bucks team did such a great job putting him in positions to succeed. Not only obviously in the fast break, Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton looking for him and putting him in good spots. But I thought there were some incredible pick and roll plays that really freed up Giannis. And obviously Giannis just made some great moves. I've been harping on him for being not very, very offensively skilled. And I'm not the only person who's harped on him for that. But I, we saw in game five and game six, I got to completely take that back. There were some incredible moves that I saw him do and some very patient and skilled mm-hmm. moves in the post that, that got the team buckets when they needed it the most. And Giannis carried it. And when he wasn't yeah. getting buckets, he was, he was doing, putting Deandre Aiden in foul trouble, which wasn't just, it wasn't, it's not just the foul trouble that is, is troubling for the Suns, but just not having Aiden out there offensively and defensively, uh, really swung the series towards the Bucks, the Bucks way, even though offensively they lacked the, de- the depth that, that the Suns had. Yeah. And I gotta say though, mm. I, I got to my hat to Frank Kaminsky because this is a guy that really didn't play all playoffs. I want to say like, I don't think he played in the playoffs very much at all. Maybe a few minutes here or there maybe some garbage time minutes, but he came in and he played some pretty good basketball actually ended up <laughs> a plus minus of zero. So, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, Kaminsky did a pretty good job. I thought I was, I was pretty surprised. I mean, I saw he got one steal on Giannis, which I mean, could have been a foul, you know, they didn't call it, but whatever. And he had some good buckets around the rim. He is playing with energy. So I, I was thoroughly impressed with, with Frank Kaminsky and, and I will probably never say that sentence again. So I, I mean, <laughs> I got dude, to give him he also got one. dunked on twice by D by, uh, by Giannis. I mean, yeah, yeah three for yeah. four is pretty good. <laughs> he played pretty good for himself, good. but it is he interesting that you good. say that because in the presser, Monty Williams did mention that he does kick himself a little bit for not going to Frank a little bit more in this series. Which I'm I'm mm. stunned he actually said that. No, I don't think you could say because, that. <laughs> yeah, that that might be just a, like a like yeah. I don't know, maybe well, trying to boost yeah, his and confidence. And it was also a leading you know, question. Some reporter asked what he thought about Cam Payne and Frank Kaminsky, what he got from them. He got they got a, he got a little uh, bit out of them in this in this game. And frankly, I'm a, I am a little surprised Cameron Payne only played ten minutes. He he has been a quite the spark throughout the series, but in game six, yeah. only ten minutes off the bench here. But I mean at the end of the day, what else are you gonna do? You these small guys just cannot contain Middleton and and uh and Giannis and that ultimately I think was was what swung a little bit in the favor for 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 Milwaukee. Yeah, well, I think the tough decision here is like mm-hmm. McCall Bridges is a guy that he, I mean, he was a minus 18 in this game, played played a lot of minutes, and he really wasn't giving you any production. Like, he, he did not play very well in some of these games in Milwaukee. He played very well in Phoenix, but we saw, I mean, you, you look at the, the spread for McCall Bridges in this series, he is... 5 of 13 shooting in game 1, 8 of 15 in game 2, both in Phoenix. He goes back to Milwaukee, shoots 2 of 4 and 3 of 4. You know, it's like, sure, the percentage is fine, but he only shot 4 shots. And then he was 5 of 6, so very good percentages, including 3 from 3 for 3 for 3 from 3 in the Phoenix game in game 5, but they still lost that one. And then he's 3 of 7 tonight. 
So he's really not offering you a lot when he's on the road. And obviously it's a tough call for Monty Williams to take a guy out like that. You know, he's a huge defensive presence and he, he plays like he's a very smart player. It uh, gives you a little bit yeah. of everything, but he was just not on it in this game. And he really, he wasn't stopping Giannis. He wasn't stop. I mean, Middleton had a pretty poor shooting night. So may, maybe you can chalk that up to some bridges play. But at the end of the day, it's like you have campaign who, who, like you said, had 10 points in 10 minutes. You needed that offensive firepower. You didn't even break a hundred in this game. So I, I think they should have gone to their bench more because yeah. that was their advantage over Milwaukee is that they could throw more different guys at them and this was really just starters versus starters this entire game i mean and like you said they only played frank kaminsky out of necessity because Aiton was in foul trouble cam johnson only played 16 minutes and that's that's really not enough for this guy who who has yeah. proven himself to be a contributor on the other side it, it's really the bucks that were playing their bench players more i mean Connaughton and portis both had 23 minutes in this game I just think it's very interesting that Monty Williams decided to just roll with his starters the whole game when you you have, I mean, Torrey Craig only played a minute and maybe he was hurt. I know he's been hurt kind of the whole series, so it makes sense maybe why you don't play him, but I would have liked to see more minutes out of yeah, Cam Johnson and, I think and that's campaign the main at the very point. least. Uh, I guess I'm trying to make here what the Bucks event ultimately did is they just made it impossible for Monty Williams to play those guys because you play campaign and you get you have a lineup of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, campaign or campaign and Devin Booker, you know, or campaign and Chris Paul. You got two guards out there less that are around six three against a team <laughs> that's got you know Giannis, yeah. Portis, and Brook Lopez at any given time. Yeah, yeah. holidays. Yeah, bigger exactly. Than those, so all those what would have been your himself? advantage yeah. offensively? The Bucks are on the other side punishing you for having those guys out, you know, on the defensive side. So. It really, yeah, yeah. But Cam Johnson's tall. Cam Johnson's not short. Why? Why is he getting the button? I feel like Bridges is struggling. Why not put Cam Johnson in for a little more firepower? I mean, he's proven he's a good three point shooter, good finisher. I, yeah, I, and I think it I worked like in game one really too. I think that um, these rotating pieces were 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 offensive firepower that the Bucks just couldn't close in close in on, but. You got Giannis, man. Got the best player in the NBA after this moment. He's got to be the best <laughs> player in the NBA. There's no way. There's really much mm -hmm. of an argument here. I got to think, especially putting. Well, you're wait. Are you saying yeah. Giannis is the best player in the NBA? I think so. Because well, of the series, you have doubts. Mm. He is not the best player in the NBA yeah. right now. You really don't. You don't even consider, I mean, you consider Kevin, Kevin Durant. Durant, but recency bias, maybe a little bit, but. I'm, I'm giving it to Giannis. 50 points, 14 rebounds. Oh, I'm still giving it to Giannis. No. <laughs> he, had, he had the best finals game, potentially, in NBA history. I'll give him that. I do not think that qualifies him At as the best moment, player I think in the so. league, though. I, I think so. You'd rather <sighs> have Giannis than Kevin Durant. Come on, <laughs> come on! Don't uh, maybe do it. Maybe I changed my mind, in, you know, at the start of the year, and but at this moment, Giannis seems to be the the seems to be the best player. He seems to be the alpha right now. He is the champion. No he is way. the Finals MVP. No way. He's the champion, but it's Kevin Durant almost beat this team by himself. I don't know. 
by himself, man. You just you said it yourself. <laughs> a shoe size was the only difference. The I, only difference. Yeah, maybe you got me a little bit there, but I'm gonna still go with Giannis. <laughs> I'll give you top five. I will say I, I'll give you top five in the league. He wasn't before yeah, this he, series, he, he but now he for sure top is. five after watching him the way he played throughout the playoffs. But after this finals performance, the last three games, he's back in my top five. And possibly my number one right now. Number one. Man. Yeah, I can't <laughs> I, I can't go that crazy. I'm, I'm sorry. You're 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 on your own on that one. But yeah, I mean, regardless, it just speaks to just man, I've never seen a player step up that big in the in the biggest moment. I mean, I've I've seen some big moments, but that was I, I it's hard to put in perspective because you don't you don't want to put recency bias as like the forefront of like, oh, like this is the mo- the best performance I've seen recently. It, when I compare it to just some certain moments that I've seen in, in NBA Finals history, I mean, obviously LeBron's run mm-hmm. on the Cavs was mega huge, right? And you can argue too that LeBron's competition was better when he went in the finals and, and was putting up the numbers he was putting up. You, you, I don't, I, you can point to a lot of different things, but this 50 point performance was just otherworldly. Like you're watching a guy that was just possessed and could not miss a shot. And he was, he was a dominant force of nature and it, it was such a rare treat, man. Like I, I, on the last podcast I was talking about like, <laughs> you know, this series is pretty boring. Like that was in the midst of Giannis getting like two back-to-back 40-point games and just dominating. And I was still like, I just can't wait for the offseason. But I'm glad that it the offseason held off for at least that one more week because that is a performance yeah. that's gonna be hard to forget. That that's that's why that's why we love this game. It's just to to see things like yeah. that happen. Ever since coming beautiful. back, you know, ever since the Milwaukee Bucks were down 2-0 against the Suns. Giannis has averaged 37 points, 61% from the field, and a measly 69% from the free throw line. But the point already has been made. Yeah, that hey, that came up a yeah, lot. That 69% that came up could a easily be what 60 probably after if it wasn't for this game six. Probably 90% from the free At throw least, line. But yeah. Mm-hmm. The point being that crazy. You know, in games one and game one. Giannis goes 20 points, game two, 42 points, significantly better. And and he that game would have been a complete blowout had Giannis not gone on that run he did in the late third and the fourth. Uh, but <laughs> after that, you know, mm-hmm. something clicked where he where it was. It was like this team was not gonna win if their best player wasn't only not just the best player in the series, but one of the best players in the league, a two-time MVP and historical player. And Mm-hmm. He, there's talks about if Giannis is, has already established himself as one of the best power forwards of all time. Um, it, it, oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, he still has a lot I'd of basketball so. to be played, but based off what we've seen, I, he's on his way. It's mm-hmm. like, why not now? It's just like, he's just got to walk the road. I think he's already established. The talent is there. And after doing what he did tonight or yesterday night, it's just absolutely incredible. 26 years old. And, it's got a long path still uh, to go here in Milwaukee, bear, you know, bearing any 
terrible injuries, but it's it's exciting to see what happens. But pivoting away from Giannis, um, unless you had anything else to add, Sean, I wanted. Oh, uh, well, I mean, I just I just want to let the listeners know if you have not heard Giannis's post game <laughs> interview, his whole listen to the whole interview. It's eighteen minutes long, and it, you will fall in love with the guy if you haven't already. And if you haven't fallen in love with him after the post-game interview, you have to watch his IG live that he did this morning, Wednesday morning, at like 10 a.m. Eastern time. So like it was super early on the West Coast of him going to Chick-fil-A and just he had he had the championship trophy like at his legs in the car while his wife was driving and he had the finals MVP trophy in his lap and they were just driving to Chick-fil-A to get a 50 piece <laughs> He called it a 50 piece McNugget <laughs> from Chick-fil-A. <laughs> He's getting McNuggets from Chick-fil-A and it is just pure gold. He like had he hasn't slept like since they won the game. Like he didn't sleep at all the whole night. And he's just going on oh. a rant on like how stoked he is. And it is it is pure gold. It's like 16 minutes long. You have to watch it. It's I, I amazing. gotta watch this. I did see you send it to me, but 16 minutes. Gotta carve out some time for it. I might watch it a little <laughs> bit later. Yeah. Well, well worth every second of it. It this this dude is a treasure. He he's such <laughs> an innocent, like likable guy. You know, like at least like from what I've seen. Oh, no. Like maybe he's a different guy in private. But he just seems like such a fun-loving, just charismatic, just like infectious personality, and like uh, every friend group could use a Giannis man. He is. Yeah, he, he just Giannis, seems like a really. He cool seems dude. like a very genuine guy. I mean, I mean, shout out to ESPN for the production. They're the ABC crew who put for the production there at the end. When uh, I'm not sure if you saw this, but I, well, I'm sure you saw when the game ended. The camera was just sort of following Giannis around, and he was just sort of randomly wandering, you mm-hmm. know, because he just couldn't believe what had happened. And then there's this <laughs> sequence where he sits down yeah, right at courtside and he's kind of just looking around. And then, you know, then, the, then it just kind of feels, looks like it just clicks in his brain. Like, like I won, like, this is it. Like I won, like it, it's over. Like I <laughs> Holy won. Crap. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> the emotions really just start showing right. <laughs> and he starts tearing up tears of happiness, of course. And he lets mm-hmm. out his, he gets up and then yells out his yell. And from that moment on, we see, yeah, very yeah. childlike <laughs> happiness from Giannis and just a loving guy hugging. Mm-hmm. It seems like every single person. Yeah. So, you know, shout out to the ABC and ESPN crew for giving us that and mm-hmm. having that camera just, patiently follow follow him around without really you know interrupting the natural organic moment yeah with nothing happening yeah right yeah that is really cool man yeah he (laughs) couldn't have happened to a better guy in my opinion i'm i'm really stoked for him i at the beginning of the series we talked about like it'd be cool if chris paul won it it'd be cool if Giannis won it so yeah, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm happy, man. I'm ha- I'm happy for the Bucks. <laughs> Wish it was the Clippers they're playing against, but yeah. yeah so it, it, I, I'm just very quick happy pivot. for them. I think we got to talk about Chris Middleton a little bit because this guy has also just been incredible. Yeah. Um, quick trivia question for you, Sean. How many points did Chris Middleton average his first <laughs> year in the league? And what team did he play for? Oh. Did he not play for the Bucks? I thought the Bucks drafted him. Huh. <laughs> I guess not, since you're asking me. 
I honestly do not have any idea who Chris Middleton played for his rookie year. But <laughs> he I would guess that he points. averaged two points. He was drafted in, in the second round. He was the 39th pick in the 2012 NBA draft by the Detroit Pistons. He played, played a couple weeks in the uh, G League and Pistons. then was traded <laughs> to, to Milwaukee for Brandon Knight. He was part of this trade. Brandon Knight for Brandon Jennings, the Brandon, oh. the Brandon trade that was... Pretty inconsequential for both sides, oh, at least man. from Brandon' perspective. Except, <laughs> Except for Chris that, Middleton yeah. was sort yeah. of like a throw-in piece in this trade to Milwaukee, and wow, the dude has just gotten better every single year. I mean, six points in 2012, 14 points in 2016, and then it sort of is just a gradual climb up to 20 points a game this last year, and. And really stepping up this year in the playoffs to average 23 points, uh, 35% from three and almost 45% from the field and a big piece of this team. And wow, I can't believe like there was, you know, big questions of whether Chris Middleton was deserving of the money Milwaukee gave him in terms of like, is this really the number two guy you want to lock in for the next few years Mm -hmm. with next to Giannis? Like if he's not that guy, then... (laughs) then you might lose Giannis and you're going to be left with paying Chris Middleton a ton of money. But for a guy who's not, maybe not even a top 20, who's not even maybe a top 25 player in the league. And that's out the win. And Chris Middleton is a huge piece. And obviously he was the perfect number two for next to Giannis to win, to get, to bring home an NBA title and well-deserving of his, that max contract he got. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. For sure. Top 20 now for sure. Top 20 now. Yeah. Yeah. That is crazy. That was a great trivia question, man. I I literally had no idea. And man, man, <laughs> Detroit's got to feel so dumb. It's like obviously hindsight's 2020, but you, man, they got fleeced hard. Chris Middleton as a throw and that's got to be one of the most uh, lopsided mm-hmm. trades in in recent history. Yeah, that is and that's how that's how champion is Man, made, I guess. Detroit. And if you look at it, it's almost like a you know a nine year yeah. journey for this franchise, starting with the the Giannis trade. I mean, the Giannis draft pick, the Middleton trade, mm-hmm. and you had some rough points, right? Like at one point, it was like maybe letting go of Brogdon was a big blunder that was going to haunt this franchise. But they pivoted away from it. They leveraged yeah. their future, go all in, and trade for Drew Holiday. And they, I'm not sure what happened and how they ended up as the winner, but they take PJ Tucker midway through the year. And PJ Tucker, mm-hmm. I mean, he's not filling up the points, mm-hmm. but he's out there 35 minutes to, to 38 minutes per game, a key piece yeah. in Mike's rotation throughout this playoff run and a huge piece uh, to match up against that small ball, those small ball lineups that the, that Monty Williams was throwing out there and a big key piece why they win. So just a shout out to those guys for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and they did it all without their starting mm-hmm. shooting guard, Dante DiVincenzo. I mean, this guy was playing really well for them before he got hurt. And yeah, I mean, they weren't, they weren't completely avoiding injury, you know, like this happened. They had to beat the Hawks without Giannis when Chris Middleton stepped up big time and drew holiday stepped up. They, they had to go through a lot, man. And they came out the other side victorious. So all the credit to them, man. This is a well-deserved yeah. championship. Middleton, I don't care what anybody 44% says. from 10 to 16 feet range in the playoffs. One of the top shooters in that mid-range area. A third of, Only a third of his shots were assisted on. Mm-hmm. So 
when it came to half court offense, the Bucks were terrible at it. But Middleton bailed them out time and time again. Uh, 24 <laughs> points, on 49% shooting against this Suns team. Um, moving away from the Bucks, we got to look at the Suns here. Uh, unfortunately, they are the losers. They they do lose this series, but they've got a young core who maybe just got punched a little too hard and just didn't really have the resiliency to to stick with it. Meanwhile, on the Bucks, you obviously have guys who have been on a couple playoff runs, Middleton and Giannis on three three years of big runs, PJ Tucker years of runs as well. Brooke Lopez has been around the league for a while. You understand mm-hmm. losing, but Devin Booker and Aiden, the two young guys. Devin Booker, 36% <laughs> shooting in game six, eight and 33%, 12 points, 36 minutes, obviously in foul trouble. But prior to this series, prior to this game, even he was shooting 70, 70% on 16 points against various teams. And game six yeah. and game five uh, sort of became just big troubles for him. And he was just really rattled out there. And can only hope that he gets better from here, but those were big reasons why I also think the Suns just weren't able to, to come through here. Right. Yeah, and I think Aiton really benefited from the play the people he played against in the series beforehand. I mean, he just had a great master matchup against all of them, and I mean, I don't think Brooke Lopez was really the big, the main reason that Aiton was completely mm-hmm. out of the series. I mean, Giannis was really i think the main defender on him on a lot of sequences that i watched at least and i think that was key is that Giannis was the guy on ayton in the pick and roll with chris paul and then they would just switch whoever was on chris paul with yon with Giannis, and then Giannis is guarding chris paul and mm-hmm. that was a huge disruption for paul like when paul had to be guarded by Giannis, he could not get around him like he's got a lot of crafty moves obviously he knows what to do against a lot of different players, but sometimes when you have attributes, I, there, there's really nothing you can do about it. I mean, Giannis is just quick enough to keep up with him and has the length to really just guard anything he had going his way and, and really made it hard for Chris Paul to get the ball to Aiden on the pick and roll. So, it, yeah, it was a big struggle for Aiden. And, and when he had to shoot post up on Giannis, Giannis matched him size pound for pound and was able to def- like deflect and defend a lot of the shots that he didn't put up. And that was a big yeah, reason why he shot the so shot blocking was I huge. Think. Not just the shot blocks themselves, but there was a couple of times where, or maybe twice, I think I saw where Aiden missed a, missed a shot to where he was right at the basket, but it seemed like he was anticipating a potential shot blocking attempt that he sort of faded away a little bit and ended up <laughs> missing two shots yeah. that should have been easy buckets for uh-huh. him. And that was just that Giannis effect of like, he truly rattled this kid um, to his core a little bit here in this series. Yeah, <laughs> yeah this is that is a great point. It's like, this is where you saw really mm-hmm. that the Suns are still a lot of kids and the Bucks are grown men. And I mean, obviously <laughs> the Suns outside of Chris Paul are a bunch of little kids. But yeah, they they did look like little kids compared to the Bucks. They they did get out muscled, mm-hmm. out bought. Like and, they just got and to the point of them. also like Aiden is. I think he'll learn. He I, there was a couple fouls that just did not really have to happen. But I think it's just putting his hands at the in the wrong spots and yeah, a guy like Giannis. You know, when you're in the league, I feel for this long, you you figure out how, those little 
0.01% to give you that advantage. And these guys are so crafty that they're going to look for it. And as soon as you feel that hand in the wrong spot, yeah. you're going to exploit it. There are so many points, a couple points in the game where I think Aiden was still just playing defense. Like it was the regular season and he was getting Giannis was taking advantage of it, you know, selling it, selling the foul. And, mm -hmm. uh, and I think that'll, that'll be a learning experience there for Aiden. And on the other side, on that same point, Booker saw a couple right. points in this game where like he was hunting for the foul when he should have just shot the ball, just shoot an honest shot. And yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of complaining, a lot of complaining. It's, too. it's a swing when you're foul hunting. And I think it can work very well in the regular season just to sort of get easy buckets. But when it comes to the finals, you got to adjust, man. Yeah, just play. You guys got to play. Yeah, you can't yeah, it's hope too the much refs of a are going to win the game. And there was a couple yeah. possessions I felt like Devin Booker was really hoping for the whistle win. Might have been better off just shooting an honest shot. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I think I think a big play. I mean, you mentioned the point one percent of plays is when Drew Holiday had that epic right. steal on him for the second game in a row, where he kind of predicted that Booker was gonna go right, and he stepped right in his path and was able to just swat the ball away from Booker and get the steal and you could tell Booker was trying to complain that he fouled him and then ended up fouling mm -hmm. Drew Holiday on the other end just to complain to the ref and stop play and that really showed to yeah. me like Booker is still a young guy too I mean he's yeah like you cannot make a foul like that in in such a pivotal part of the game like you have to come down and play defense you can't let them get that much closer to the bonus especially when Giannis has been shooting free throws so well, you can't let them just get to the line. And, and that just showed to me another sign of immaturity. Um, maybe the moment just being a little too big for this team and being on the road is still like, it's a pretty intimidating thing for them. Uh, especially, I mean, they, they showed poise throughout the entire playoffs, but I think when they actually had their backs against the wall for the first time in the, in a playoff series, yeah, they were really, they, they still have some work to do. Um, yeah, you just got to, it just looked like they were, they're almost ready to lose the game. There was some fight back from Jay Crowder, those two free throws he got, that foul call. But ultimately, the the two guys mm -hmm. that really carried the Suns throughout the playoffs that were just excellent. I mean, Aiden, again, we've talked about him so much about sort of being this low key guy who's just consistently 60% and giving this, given Monty Williams 20, 17 to 20 points every game. All of a sudden, the last game five and game six, he's just mm -hmm. not there. Devin Booker having a struggle. You maybe, and maybe this is something that the Suns are going to look back on. And maybe when that happens, you go to Chris Paul and you and you ask him to carry you to to the end. And you know that just wasn't there in game six. We didn't really. We, Chris Paul still had a good game though, but we just didn't see. It was really like mostly in the first half, right? I don't remember yeah, Chris he, Paul doing much of anything in the fourth mm -hmm. quarter. Giannis maybe, locked him that, down. Maybe that's something the Suns look back on and kick themselves to not go to Chris Paul and just give him the ball and and get and, and work as a team to get him a good shot. Um, that might be something they kick themselves about a little bit. But ultimately, Sean, what's next for the Suns? Their whole team comes back. Chris Paul is really the question mark. Mm -hmm. He's got that $44 million player option. It's still a hefty amount of cash. So I got to think Chris Paul opts <laughs> in, but. Uh, he, he's also played well enough to, if, I guess mm. if he wants more than that 44 million, he might be able to get it somewhere. 
No, I, I think this boils down to does Chris mm-hmm. Paul think that he can get a long term contract to ride out the rest of his career? And I think at this point, the answer is almost certainly yes. So if I'm Chris Paul, would I rather play for $44 million next year and maybe like a veteran's minimum the last two years of my career? Or would I rather force Phoenix into like a three year, $100 million deal right now? And I play the rest of my career with Phoenix and I get paid out until I'm 39 years old. Yeah. That's a no brainer. That's a no brainer. He is not, he is declining this player option tomorrow. Watch, you'll see. Or I don't even I don't know when you're allowed to decline the player option. I think you can already. I, he's declining that. Yeah, 100%. I, I agree. I think he's going to do it. I mean, there's been Chris Paul has been a guy throughout his career, maybe to his detriment a little bit. He's chased the bag and and he's gotten it. I mean, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he's going to get the bag. He's earned it. He's, he really has. I, I, I think mean, so. But they made it the finals. there's still question marks where uh, I'd like to see him take a little bit less money and and give the franchise an opportunity to bring in another piece. Um, but that's true. Chris Paul thinks he is the piece, man. He is the piece. Yeah, he, he thinks this could have gone another way in, in an alternate timeline. Yeah, they could have I think easily the biggest won. I mean, weakness that was exposed from the series was sort of the lack of an alternative shot blocker, another defensive piece you could throw out there to give you some minutes. And uh, maybe maybe they can get it regardless of what deal they give Chris Paul, but that'll be something interesting to see how this Suns front office reacts to that and whether they go try to get some a shot blocker or some really just to beef up the bench a little bit from a defensive perspective. Uh, but outside of that, you got the whole the whole mm-hmm. game the whole gang coming back and they're all going to get one year better so you got to think this is still <laughs> this is still going to be a these guys are still going to be players in the western conference next year oh yeah for sure you you get Aiton, booker cam johnson and bridges all getting a year older i think the really the only decision they have to make this year as far as far as next season goes is do they have enough cap to resign campaign because this guy played very well for you in a good amount of stretches. I mean, played well in the Lakers series, had some really good games in the Clippers series. He's a valuable piece for this team, especially, I mean, Chris Paul is only getting older. So the risk of injury continues to get higher and higher every year. You're going to need a good backup point guard for this team. And I think campaigns proven that he can be that guy. It just depends on how much money they're willing to pay him versus someone else in the league that has more cap space than the Phoenix Suns. Uh, who knows who that could be? Maybe the Knicks, if they lose out on the Lonzo Ball uh, finanza, which apparently Lonzo is, is getting quite a bit of suitors this offseason, or at least that's the rumblings in the uh, NBA underground. Uh, maybe it's the Bulls. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's some other players. Maybe the Orlando <laughs> Magic take a shot at him for I don't know. They just do random stuff. But yeah, I think if they resign campaign, I think that's really like the big one that they care about. Maybe Tory Craig comes back on a small deal. I think he played a pretty good role with them as well. But it's really the big thing is can they maintain flexibility? for two years from now when they have to re-sign all of Aiden, yeah. Cam Johnson, and McCall Bridges. Because obviously you want to retain all those guys, but 
all those guys might be commanding upwards of $20 million a year. And you cannot afford to all keep all three of them. So that that's going to be tough when you already have, I mean, you think Chris Paul's maybe on a 30 to $35 million deal. Booker's on his max deal. Yeah. It's going to be tough to, to keep all the, all the game together for I think longer you, you than see next the year. True. I think disadvantage for star players in the NBA, it's not so much big market versus small market. It's ownership. And the Phoenix Suns ownership is not known for being mm-hmm. for being big spenders when it comes to rosters. That was one of the big problems that the Suns teams not in the late 2000s had is they just never wanted to go into the luxury tax range. And as a result, their teams yeah. were great, but never quite great enough. And that's going to be a big question mark here with, mm-hmm. uh, you know, whether Robert Sarver and, and his group are willing to go into the luxury tax to maintain this group. And I mean, considering that they've thrown some cash and building their brand new practice facility that they have and renovating that stadium that they have in downtown Phoenix, uh, that might be a sign that they are, but, but we'll see. So yeah, they've, they've got a good run still in them next year, but after that year, I I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I trust this ownership group to keep all these nice pieces there, but we'll see. <laughs> yeah i yeah i mean a lot like, like you're saying they, it does seem like they're pretty committed to this team and like you saw like the phoenix mm-hmm. area really got behind this team like there's a fantasy football podcast that i listen to that uh the fantasy footballers they live in phoenix and like i've never heard them talk about the phoenix suns before and they're all of a sudden like super stoked on phoenix the fan base is very committed to this team, so I should hope the front offices as well to be willing to go over that cap space by by a little bit to to help keep this team competitive and fighting for a championship every year. But hey, money money is a lot, you know. It's always it's always a big part of the conversation, and and maybe these guys. Maybe they do want max contracts somewhere else. Maybe someone will offer mm-hmm. them something that Phoenix just really can't afford, even with cap space, like going over the cap space. Like, I don't know. It, it depends on, on their development next year. Um, but yeah, this if they are able to retain all those three guys along with Booker, and we'll we'll see a good good little dynasty rolling for Phoenix. Not not necessarily championship, but maybe. And they'll definitely be a contender every year, but it's going to be interesting for James Jones to figure out over the next two years. It'll definitely decide the future of this team. For yeah. So that'll also be the pickle in this that. Chris Paul, what deal he kind of gets is the thinking behind what happens two years from now when we got to extend mm-hmm. our guys. So we'll see, we'll see, we'll see where the chips land. Um, final thoughts to close out the year. You know, this is the last podcast, not the last podcast ever, but the last podcast for the 2021 season. um favorite moment of this last season sean big question right on the spot but favorite moment it's a big question oh you know what this this (laughs) this answer is not very difficult actually i i thought about first i mean (laughs) it's game six of clippers jazz I mean, it is not hard for me. I mean, it's not really a fair question. I went, this is like the only game I went to all season, and it ends up being the game that is the first time the Clippers ever make the conference finals, and we're down by 20 at halftime, and it's, you're just completely, everyone's totally down on themselves. And that third quarter, 
where they just stormed back was just incredible. And then they just carry that momentum into the fourth and we end up walloping them pretty good. The the energy. I've never seen a Clippers stadium with that much energy. I shared it with my dad, which is also a great moment. Yeah, that, that is easily my favorite moment from the season. Nice. It's not even that close. It's hard to top. <laughs> I don't have something like that. Yeah. No, yeah, I'm I'm sorry, and that was so easy for me. I mean, I, I was gonna say just off, up. <laughs> just off the top of my head, I think uh that game seven, Nets versus Bucks, is was such a consequential game mm-hmm. now, now that we're looking that at it. One. You know, the Bucks win that game or win the championship. I think it was just a fun ride to watch the playoffs and sort of not have a favorite team to 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 root on, but just sort of watch them from a neutral perspective and that was a hell of a series. That was a hell of a game. Uh, this game six was too, but that game seven, Durant versus the Bucks uh, was incredible. And to see it go into overtime was exciting. And I yeah. think that was one of my favorite moments of this last year. For sure. Yeah. Where does the <laughs> Lakers Warriors playing game rank? For you? I would imagine that's it's up be there too. Good maybe, too. maybe third. I really got to say, I put this game six second and that game seven <laughs> one. I mean, that game, yeah, this game is also sad. Like that game seven going to number one has to be because it was like, you know, last year we didn't really get to see Brooklyn in the playoffs. We, they had all the injuries and this year we finally got to see him. Yeah. Uh, Kevin Durant comes back from that Achilles injury and we see him back and knocking at the door as the best player in the game. So. I mean, ultimately, we see mm-hmm. the top two Eastern Conference players going at each other in Giannis and Durant. And what might ultimately be the, the top two players in the league going now, now thinking retroact, you know, thinking about mm-hmm. thinking back about it. So that just seemed like a big game. And obviously, like now we have the full context of the year and it, it did end up being a huge game. Um, so, yeah, Warriors yeah. versus Lakers was an exciting game. I just feel like there wasn't quite the, the NBA overall storylines <laughs> as this game, this game seven had, but yeah, the playing games were, were, were great. Yeah. Um, but totally. there's still a piece of me that says these playing games mm-hmm. are really great, but at the same time, a lot <laughs> of these teams just go on and lose in the first round anyways. <laughs> oh yeah. You could, you could argue that the Lakers, you know, Things go a different way. Man, we could have been talking about Lakers. Lakers are the huge exception Um, just because. Yeah, you know. Yeah. And we might not see an exception exception. that big (laughs) for for a really long time in these playing games. Right. Yeah, there was a lot that had to go wrong for the Lakers to end up in that seven seed. Uh, And then, yeah, just another uh, honorary mention to the Hawks-Knicks series. And Trey Young yeah. becoming the villain of the NBA and just getting to see Knicks fans just go absolutely bonkers. Yeah, that it was, that really was fun a big one. I think the Hawks were one of my favorite teams that I adopted this play. I got that Hawks series, Knicks series was mm-hmm. was so f- so funny to watch from a neutral perspective because the Knicks so totally thought they were the better team, and I did too, and I think a lot of people did. Yeah. <laughs> and, we did. It ended yeah. up not even being close mm-hmm. to that case. Uh, game one was sort of close, but the Hawks were definitely the better team after game two. And it just, after that, it was the chips just fell where they needed to. Um, and then I guess another 
Well, I mm-hmm. guess now we're just throwing moments out there, but I'm, maybe the top five, a top five uh, moment I, also has to just be, uh, I don't know. Maybe this is not quite as positive, but the Hawks just essentially tearing apart the 76ers franchise. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of sad but it's just moment. so that's sad big. like it's so kind of kind of out of nowhere where the hawks trey young and those guys are gonna get ben simmons traded and doc rivers potentially yeah. fired and you know yeah. who knows what's gonna happen to the 76ers yep who knows? Yeah, there's going to be some fireworks. And that's why I love the off season, baby. We're here. We made it. It was an amazing finals. I'm super happy that we got to just watch some awesome games. But this is where the fireworks mm-hmm. fly, man. Drafts in like, what, a week? Drafts in a week? Whew. Then, then it gets real. And we got the Olympics as a little side, a side gig yeah, that we can just watch and enjoy, too. Here's Basket, another thing. Basketball's Hours going right after into this it. championship was won, Drew Holiday, Chris Middleton, and Devin Booker had to jump on a flight to Tokyo. <laughs> who, who, that who, is who, so who, awkward. Who has it worse? <laughs> Devin Booker or Drew Holiday oh or Middleton? Oh my gosh. Devin Booker. Devin Booker has it so yeah, much worse. Because one, he's by himself. Because like Drew and Chris have each other. And he's the loser. He's definitely has it the worst. That would be so bad. Like, man, I wonder. I don't know what Drew Holiday and Chris Milton are like. Like, uh, I don't know, cocky wise. But man, I gotta imagine Booker's like trying to avoid them. It's like a the twelve hour flight. I think I heard weeks. on on some one of the ESPN podcasts I was listening to. <laughs> Hopefully, it's a big plane, and he can just put his uh put some blinders just, on, just not look at anything. I would not be able that would be torture, man. I might drop out of the Olympics if I was Booker. I'd be like, no, screw that. I do not want this. The gold medal's not worth getting on a plane. I, with I think these there's chuckles. something to be said as the winner, too. Maybe you are a humble personnel and you just gotta hold it in for for 12 hours, I guess. But <laughs> no way, man. No way. That I I just can't I can't see them having it worse than Booker. Like this dude, yeah. this dude and just got his heart. Then crushed. there's that shot to close the game out <laughs> where you can hear uh, you know, Devin Booker mouthing, you know, the word damn because he's just like stunned that like it hits him that he just yeah. lost the finals. <laughs> yep. Yep. That was it. That was that was his shot, man. You yeah. get so well, close and now you're so far again. That that's gonna be really interesting. I I want to mm-hmm. see those dudes play together on the floor in the Olympics and see how yeah, that goes. That will actually be fun to follow. Bodies right now. <laughs> yes, they do. American hero <laughs> Kelvin Johnson, Johnson on this roster is here to now? save the day, though. He's gonna lead us. Oh my yeah, god! He replaced Bradley Beal. He's on the roster. <laughs> my god! Yeah, he replaced what Kevin about Randall. What about? We needed a big man, and JaVale was here for the what call. What about Christian Wood? Like, there are names. There are so many names. Shout JaVale out JaVale McGee, McGee is, a name, dude. is the what biggest title writer JaVale. in the world. Like, this man is going to end up being one of the biggest winners in, in basketball history just because he just happens to jump on the right wave at the right time. 
Yeah, they needed just your prototypical center, man. That that's all they needed was just a big dude. No skills, just man, rebound. Man, about it. to have one of the most impressive <laughs> resumes. <laughs> Two-time champion, gold medalist. Yeah. Or does he have three NBA doing titles? The least. He might have three. Or does he have two? Uh, he. Uh, yeah, I think so. He has. I, I'm pretty sure he has three. Yeah. I feel like you've asked this as a trivia question before. Anyways. <laughs> well, yeah. Thanks everybody for tuning in. You know, we'll we'll keep updated. Bye. We'll throw on a draft podcast next week, but. Yeah, this is the NBA offseason oh, sure. start. Shout out to the Bucks <laughs> for winning the NBA title. And thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Yes, sir. Have a good week, everyone. Offseason 2021.